0: Well, good morning. I'll try not to trip over Jesus up here, or at least his uh, laying place. Oh, glasses. Look at those notes. They're blurry. Give me a second. Ah, I can see you again. My name is Randy, and my wife Claire and I are uh, senior pastors of the church, and we're glad to be with you all and to spend this uh, time with you. This uh, Christmas season, um, we have been sharing with you one of our personal family traditions, the Advent. And uh, we've been doing that by having various families come and participate and share with you uh, those um, uh, events and and what we remember that. Advent means coming, and it is a part of the uh, remembrance of Jesus and kind of giving us tools to be able to focus on him in this season. And each week we have uh, addressed somewhat this question why did Jesus come? Uh, by describing and talking about things that Jesus came to bring. The first week, as was uh, reminded to us earlier, we spoke of the hope candle, which spoke of the hope of the prophets and our need for hope and how Jesus came to bring us hope. Uh, Last week, Clara spoke about uh, the mercy candle, representing uh, the mercy of God coming through John the Baptist as a forerunner of the Messiah. And uh, she talked about her need for hope and uh, how Jesus came to bring that. And then this week I'm going to speak about uh, what we call the mercy candle. And uh, particularly uh, the mercy of God uh, extended through, um, I don't remember who. Oh wait, no, that was, that was the second week. I missed. And then I'm talking about the faith candle. Sorry. Which is the uh, faith of the Magi. Yes, thank you. We said that. Cool. Anyway. A few years ago, I uh, took a personal retreat, as I used to do uh, once or twice a year, and and I particularly uh, had the goal to study, read, and pray about faith uh, as a topic. Uh, There are a lot of varieties of approaches to understandings about faith in the Christian uh, church, and uh, particularly wanted to uh, focus on that. And as a part of that, one of the books I read in its entirety was the Book of Romans. Uh, just reading through it and underlining every single time the word of faith appeared uh, in the text. And I was uh, honestly startled with the quantity of times that that word is mentioned and would encourage you sometime perhaps to do that um, yourself as you go through it. So I'd like to uh, begin our consideration of our need for faith by reading the opening of this letter from the Apostle Paul to the Roman Church. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. By resurrecting from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of the name of Christ. In verse 5, Paul articulates the goal or the outcome of his ministry, of what his apostleship meant. And he said it this way, he said to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of Jesus' name. Now this same phrase, the obedience of faith, is also used in the second to the last verse in the book of Romans. And as such, this concept of the obedience of faith forms the bookends uh, for the rest of the book at the beginning and the end. This is what it says in Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. Now to God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about The obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. So, what does Paul mean by this goal of his to bring about the obedience of faith? Firstly, it's interesting to me that Paul identifies this goal particularly as the goal of his ministry. He could have said a number of other things. He could have said something like, I have received grace and apostleship to lead people to believe in Jesus. He could have said, I received grace and apostleship to turn people's hearts to God. I've received grace and apostleship to bring about justice and reconciliation in the world among all races. Those are things that I could imagine maybe even people wanting to say today. But Paul says, I have received grace an apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the gentiles for the sake of the name of Christ. Now one way to try and understand and get a better understanding of a particular biblical text is by reading that same verse in other translations. One of the uh, advantages that we have in our day and age is the uh, the variety and multiplicity really of Bible translations. Um, there is no one translation that is the Word of God, uh, but we often can see in the flavor of those various translations understandings about uh, the heart of God in that. So let me read first out of the NIV, which is similar. Through Christ and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. The uh, today's English version says, Through Christ, God gave me the privilege of being an apostle for the sake of Christ in order to lead people of all nations to believe and obey. Through Christ, in the message it says, Through Christ we receive both the generous gift of his life and the urgent task of passing it on to others who receive it by entering into obedient trust in Jesus. In my own personal wrestling uh, and studies with this passage, I, of course, was led to Hebrews chapter 11 uh, to help me in my understanding about this topic of faith and what Paul meant there. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Here, faith is described in a very confident uh, ways, assurance, conviction. Much of the time when we think about faith, we equate it with believing or belief. But believing and faith are two very different things throughout the Bible. You know, a person may believe something, but it not have any effect on their life. A person may believe the world is flat, but that belief may not change or impact their life in any way. Could They could maybe make a decision not to be a sailor. But typically, a belief in that aspect didn't change anything for them. It didn't cause any uh, difference in their life. A person might believe that it would be best for them to lose weight. But very often, that belief alone doesn't lead them to lose weight. The difference between belief and faith has to do with these elements of confidence and assurance that leads someone to take action. A very interesting verse on this uh, is James 2.19. James says, You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So here we have demons who have particularly uh, chosen to disobey and to turn their backs on God, but they have belief. But that belief doesn't lead them, has not led them to take action, to live according to that. Belief in Jesus is not enough. We must have faith that leads to action. Or as Paul says it in Romans one five, We must live out the obedience of faith. Now returning to Hebrews 11. The, the writer follows verse 1 with various examples of biblical characters who lived out this obedience of faith. Hebrews 11.4. The author references and says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Abel had a belief, but he had faith that led him to take action to offer an acceptable sacrifice. Hebrews 11.7 By faith, Noah warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warning, and built the ark gathered the animals, got his family in, and took action on that. Now, had had Noah simply believe, you know, had a belief, yeah, I think God's going to do that, but took no action, he would not have been expressing an obedience of faith. Does that make sense? You have to take action. Faith is, is not belief. Faith is an action we take according to something God has said. It's not separate from, but God has said it, so as a result of assurance and conviction, we take action. We have an obedience of faith. Hebrews 11.8 speaks of Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. I think some of us have done that, perhaps, in our Christian life. We've heard God say, follow me. And we get on the road and we start following. Where are we going, Jesus, today? And we follow without knowing what it's all going to look like. And I wonder how many of us, perhaps if we knew the path that some of our lives would have taken, might have said, no, thank you. On the other hand, perhaps we have seen that journey be even more helped and blessing than others. And then the last one I'll reference here is from Hebrews 11, and 25. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill-treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So here we see each of these and others named in Hebrews 11 throughout the Bible expressing obedient faith in God by taking action on what God has said. Now throughout life, we're each confronted with circumstances, situations that require from us a response. The bigger issue is, in most cases is not the circumstance but our response a father was surprised at the difference in the dispositions of his two sons one was a, a confirmed optimist and the other a pessimist so he decided to put them to a test and see just how far they would carry those traits so on Christmas morning the two boys ran downstairs to see what Santa had brought them the father hid behind the door with his video camera and in one boy's stocking was only a piece of leather halter and a small horse width. the other boy's stocking was overflowing with gifts and this latter boy who was the pessimist looked over his array of presents with sadness what did you get? the cheerful brother asked not much just the usual games and things nothing I really care about how about you? I got a pony, but it ran away. The Jesus, the coming of Jesus is one of those circumstances that brought a lot of different kinds of responses. And this morning, in thinking about our need for faith, I want to look at some of the responses of the characters in the Christmas story. But before we go there, let's pray. Papa, you have uh, really given us so much. If we were to reflect on our lives and the various Christmases and times, though our journey has perhaps led us at times to uh, places of difficulty, mountains, hurdles in our lives and difficulty, you have led us through those. And you have embraced us, even carried us at times. Bringing to us the grace, your empowering presence to express faith, to take action, and to follow you. Pray as we uh, consider these characters and their circumstances they faced in this Christmas story. And we see and reflect on their responses that we too would be those who would take action, who would express our lives through the obedience of faith. I pray for guests that are here particularly that um, they would find and meet you here. Whether it be in the words of this talk that they are stirred, whether it simply be the expression of love that they experience, whether it be just in awe of the reality of God and of this season. I welcome you to do that. And for the rest, Lord, who have um, come and made choices to follow you and to pursue you, might we do that ever so faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, in a small, poor village, there was a quiet, reserved young teenager. She was cheerfully going about her household chores when suddenly a man in bright, illuminated clothing, an angel from God, appeared to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She was, of course, very startled. She was confused by his words and wondered what they meant. The angel went on to say, Don't be afraid. You have found great favor with God, and he has decided to wonderfully bless you. Very soon now you will become pregnant and have a baby boy and you're to name him Jesus. He shall be very great and shall be called the Son of God and the Lord God shall give to him the throne of his ancestor David and he shall reign forever and ever over Israel and of his kingdom shall be no end. She then asked the angel, well how how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of God shall come over you so that the baby born to you will be holy, the Son of God. Now think about this story with me, if you would. Uh, If you're a woman, think about perhaps a time when you were 15 or 16. If you're a teenager, imagine yourself. If you're a man, think perhaps about a sister, a friend, maybe a daughter. How would you or they have responded in this circumstance ha, me, you've got to be kidding uh, I think you got the wrong house uh, I think you've got the wrong person you know, my mom told me to never talk to strangers so I think you better leave now uh, yes, police yes, I need you to come over right away there's this weirdo in my house I mean, really wouldn't we respond in a very weird way if we were to have an encounter like that. But, let's look at Mary's response. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, Mary here is saying, Yes, Lord, I believe you. I receive Jesus, your Son, into my life. Mary believed God. And she responded in faith and put her trust in God and took action on that belief. Now, the next character in the story was a very hard-working, poor laborer. Shining through his poverty was an incredible integrity and honesty. Everyone knew him as a wonderfully upright, virtuous man. He was engaged to a lovely young lady whom he loved dearly. A few months before the special day when he was to be married to his young fiancée, she informed him that she was pregnant. And having been pure in their relationship, he knew the child was not his, and he became extremely distraught. Because of his love and tenderness for her, rather than expose her to ridicule and disgrace and possibly death through the sentence of stoning, he decided to break up very quietly late one night after he had stayed up late contemplating the circumstance. He had a significant dream where a man in bright illuminated clothing, an angel from God, appeared to him and said, Joseph, do not hesitate to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son and you shall call him Jesus, which means Savior. For he will save his people from their sins. Now again, if you would, think with me for a moment about this story. If you're a man, imagine you're in your late 20s. You find out that your fiancé is pregnant with someone else's baby. If you're a woman, maybe imagine a brother or friend. How would you have responded in this situation? Hasn't been with another man. Yeah, right. Holy Spirit came over and did what? What? And this dream, guys in white outfits, what was that? I'm supposed to raise someone else's kid? God? Dreams? Angels? I think I'm going batty, I need a drink. Wouldn't we respond in something like that way? But what was Joseph's response? When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he brought Mary home to be his wife. But she remained a virgin until her son was born. And they named him Jesus. In other words, Joseph said, yes, Lord. I believe you. I receive Jesus, your son, into my life. Joseph believed God. He responded in faith and he put his trust in God and he took action on that belief. Our next characters in the story were rich professionals. They were very up on the world's news, very attentive to world trends. Suddenly news comes to them that a new world ruler has been born in the small nation of Israel. Being wealthy, they decide to make the long trip to see if this news is true. They arrive in Israel. They immediately go to the palace in the capital, expecting to find this world ruler there. Instead, they find themselves led by a star in the sky to the home of a very poor couple. Imagine a new world ruler born in a smelly stable and lying in an animal's feeding trough. Now think with me again about them and this circumstance. How would you or I have responded? How would people of our day, the news media, Jay Leno or Oprah have responded? New world ruler born in Israel. Yeah, right. I'm not wasting my time checking out this joke. This whole thing stinks. I'm going home. There's no way this baby could be a new world ruler. How did I get myself into this mess in the first place? But what was their response? When they saw the star had stopped, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In other words, the wise men said, Yes, Lord, we believe you. We receive Jesus, your Son, into our lives. The wise men believed God, they responded in faith, and they put their trust in God, and they took action on that belief. Our next character was a powerful but very insecure national leader of an insignificant, politically occupied country. When the wise men came asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews, this leader became frightened. He had an immediate investigation of all the facts. And when he learned what city the child was born in, he secretly called the wise men to him and he deceptively sent them out to find the exact location where the city was. Herod did not respond in a positive way to Jesus' coming, as we will see in a moment. He emulates, I believe, most of our natural responses to God. But he didn't have to respond that way. He could have embraced the coming of the Messiah. He could have truly gone to worship God's Son. He could have loved instead of hated. But what was Herod's response? When the wise men did not return to report back to Herod because they were warned by God not to, Herod flew into a rage and commanded the murder of every little boy two years old and under who lived in Bethlehem and its surrounding areas. That would include the ages of my two grandsons. In other words, Herod said, No, thank you. I will not believe in you. I will not receive Jesus your son, into my life. Herod rejected God. He did not respond in faith, nor did he put his trust in God. And then our last characters in our story were also poor laborers. In fact, they were considered outcasts of society. They were not considered to be fit to mix with regular society. These men were sitting around after work one evening having a few drinks and telling a few stories when suddenly another one of these men in bright illuminated clothing appeared to them and they fell back terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him you will find a baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and singing. Now again, consider if you would how we might have responded or how others in our day. Let me out of here. This is crazy. That wine tonight. I don't know what you saw, but I didn't see nothing. What is it with all these dudes in the bright clothing? It's a new fashion trend or what? The Shepherds could have, maybe should have responded that way, but they didn't. Luke tells us that when the angels had left them, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Not, hey, let's go see if this happened. No. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has specifically told us about. And it says that after seeing Jesus, the shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them. And because they had seen the child, just as the angel had said. In other words, the, the shepherds responded and said, Yes, Lord, we believe you. We receive Jesus, your Son, into our lives. The shepherds believed God. They responded in faith. They put their trust in God and they took action on that belief. This Christmas, I would like to ask you will you respond with the obedience of faith? Will you receive Jesus as the baby? With all the hustle and bustle of shopping, baking, traveling, visiting. Will we forget the baby Jesus? Will we remember that Christmas is His birthday? And that this is a time to celebrate and remember Him? Will we make room in our lives for Jesus, the baby this Christmas? Will you receive Jesus as Savior? As beautiful as the nativity and the baby Jesus is, Jesus didn't come only to be born. Jesus came to live a life fully pleasing to God, to offer his life as a sacrifice on the cross that you and I might have and experience eternal life and a restored relationship with the Heavenly Father. Will we remember this Christmas? that, that Will we remember that Christmas culminates at Easter? And that this time is also for us to remember the cross. Will we make room in our lives for Jesus, the Savior, this Christmas? And then lastly, will you receive Jesus as King? Jesus did not come only to be born or only to die. Jesus rose from the dead and he has come to be King. King over my life, your life, our families and the world. Herod understood the implication of this, and he rejected Jesus. Some of you here today have accepted Jesus as the baby. Some of you have accepted him as your Savior, but some of you have not yet to receive Jesus as your King. Perhaps you've liked the idea of eternal life, forgiveness of your sins, but you haven't really let him be King over everything. Perhaps you still want to make a few of the decisions. Perhaps there's still some fun in your life that you think that you'll miss if he is king. Perhaps you're fearful that he won't really be able to take care of you. I'm here this morning to tell you, to share with you that there is nothing better than letting Jesus be king of your life. He has more information and can make better decisions than you or I. I have never experienced more peace peace and assurance about my life and the lives of those I love than when I have let him be in charge of my life. And he is able to take care of all your needs when you make him king and let him lead and guide you. Will you make room in your life for Jesus the king this Christmas? Will you step aside and welcome him? Will you say, Yes, Lord. I believe you. I receive Jesus, your Son, as Savior and King in my life. God is asking us to believe Him, to respond in obedience of faith by putting our trust in Him and stepping out to live our lives according to that trust in Him as a baby, Savior, and King. Let's pray. Popeye, I that um, each of us are in different places as we consider these elements of the person of Christ. I'm confident that there are some here who have welcomed him as a baby. The tradition of Christmas and the story of God coming to earth but that have not yet made that choice and that decision to welcome Him as their Savior to say God I I can't do it I can't get this life done I'm messing up I need Jesus I need a Savior and I would welcome you to not leave today Without making a definitive choice, letting someone else know that today you need Him as a Savior. Some of you are living your life having welcomed Him as a baby, as a Savior. You've, you're thrilled at the idea of eternal life that you're not going to get what you deserve. God is merciful. but you're still living life in many circumstances the way you want unlike Jesus in the garden at Gethsemane you have not always said Lord I'd really like not to have to pursue this but your will not mine be done I'm not sure where that area is that is not under his lordship or kingship maybe it's in your finances Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe it's in what you watch or listen or do. But I tell you, he wants to be king over all of those things. Some of you are afraid. You have in the past said, yes, Lord, be king. But have found glitches in your journey. Places where it seems like God has let you down. And you're unsure. I would welcome you. To let somebody know where you're at today. To let someone pray with you. That you might know and experience. The fullness of his kingship and lordship. And the good and the benefit that he wants for you. Father I thank you that you. Have welcomed each of us that you know where we are, where we stand, and your arms are widely extended. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy. laden. Come to me and I will give you rest. God is here to bring peace to you, to your circumstances, and to bring you eternal life that includes the superabundant life here and now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and accomplish your heart's desires. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you find yourself uh, this morning at a place where it's kind of a little question mark for you, it's possible that you need to make an obedient step of faith today. Wherever you are in your journey and your path. And I would welcome you after service to come on up to the front to allow us to come alongside you and to come on shoulder to shoulder to journey with you in your journey of faith as we uh, celebrate Christmas in these next couple of weeks, might you do that fully knowing that you have welcomed him as baby Savior and King. So again, if you would like to come up and allow some of us to just uh, pray with you and to journey with you, we would love to do that. Some of you here may be struggling with other kinds of issues, other kinds of challenges. And uh, we would be Thrilled as well to pray and talk with you. So we uh, thank you for coming. Have a great week, and um, can't won't quite say Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night, but uh, we'll do that next Sunday. Thank you, Patsy and the kiddos. That was very fun. Uh, Melissa's not here in the room, but she has the one facilitated the Advent piece, and that's been very special. Thank you, um, all that have participated. In that very special. Thank you all, God bless, and have a great week. If you would like someone to pray with, then come on up to the front. We'd be happy to do that.